Radio for the Agile community. www.agile.fm Welcome to another episode of Agile FM. Today I have Joanna Rothman with me and uh, I don't think Joanna needs really an introduction here, but let me just say this. Author of 14 books, one four, not that quantity counts here. Uh, quality obviously is, is in those books as well, but 14 books. And today we're going to talk about three books. Yes, you have read right, three books and all three books were released. And I don't think there's anybody out there who can say that at the same day, they were released in December, 2020. Uh, and they all start with the, with the same prefix, practical ways. And then to lead and innovate an innovative organization, practical ways to lead and serve others, practical ways to manage yourself. All three books published at the same day. Welcome to the podcast, Joanna. Thank you so much, Joe. I am so happy to be here. Awesome. We want to talk about those three books. Maybe we go a little bit, jump from one topic to another. Let's see how this goes. Um, um, obviously, there is uh, something about management in it. Uh, there is it's for managers, right? I personally uh, not not that I'm trying to abandon this word or anything, but I'm not using the word manager anymore. I feel like this is, brings me always back to to old days. But there is management out there, right? So that's yeah. why it's so important to talk about this. Um, just before we get started talking about some topics, is there any logical order sequence you would recommend for readers out there if they're approaching this um, the set of books? Would you say uh, it would make more sense to read it in this order, or do you think it's totally random, whatever you're interested in? So I I always recommend that people start with book one, which is and and notice. So we we must have been on the same wavelength, Joe, because I said it's the Modern Management Made Easy series, not manager, but management. And book one is Practical Ways to Manage Yourself. And I find that when I start with myself, Mm -hmm. I am much more likely to be able to lead and serve others, to be able to lead the organization, to figure out where we want to go as, Mm -hmm. as, for me, the team and the organization. So right. that's why I really like to start with, with book one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> why so not? Logical, right? Why then, not? Yeah. Let me take a guess. Book two would be next, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, it's um, the structure of the books is uh, it's almost like a MythBuster kind of uh, series, right? It starts off with a with a premise. You cover then some topics, and then uh, there is obviously some some clarification and a lot of aha moments in, in all of those sections. So maybe we jump into some of those uh, sections and just talk a little bit about some of those things you cover. And I just want to hear your take uh, on it. Um, engagement, for example, right? Uh, <laughs> that's a topic a lot of uh, organizations talk about. But just recently, I had a podcast um, that was about zombie scrum. Uh, kind of behavior where teams just sort of go with the uh, uh, with the events and they're executing the process for the sake of uh, executing the process and there's little engagement now I don't know what kind of level you want on an organizational team level or managing yourself level but from an engagement level what what is out there for managers to see how do they can increase engagement within a workforce within a team a department uh, etc why is that so important and uh, even though we all talk about it there is little engagement so i in my experience which might be different than yours when i see something like zombie scrum or Mm -hmm. or even 
a project of um, we're, we'll just do the same things we always do. We're not going to really do a retrospective. We're not going to try for continuous improvement. It's often because the managers are either have their fingers in the work, right? Mm-hmm. So the senior managers have their fingers in the middle management work. The middle managers have their fingers in the first line management work. Whether that's a leader like a scrum master or a product owner or literally a manager. And Mm -hmm. then those people have their fingers in the actual work. And all of this reduces everybody's autonomy, mastery, and purpose. All of that, all of that is micromanagement. All of that um, makes it impossible to have engagement. So that's one of the issues. Another issue is how how uh, the organization does, I'm, I'm going to put this in quotes. I hope that people can hear my air quotes here. <laughs> performance management. Wow. So much of what happens as performance management is individual goals that nece- that do not necessarily link to corporate goals. Or if they do, they cascade down so far that mm-hmm. it's a task. It's not an outcome. That's right. It's an output. And the more you ask people for outputs, the less interesting the work is, the less they are engaged. Right. It's all of that. It's all kind of a bad cycle. And the right. way to the way to to come out of that cycle is to say to people, here's our purpose. Here's our why. Mm-hmm. Here's here's a time when I want you to have an outcome. You will tell me if you cannot um, complete the outcome in that time. And if you need stuff from me, you will ask me. And I promise to watch for demos. I promise to watch for interim deliverables. Mm -hmm. But I promise not to micromanage you. And the more the more the managers and leaders can say stuff like that, the more people are engaged. Yeah. But it's interesting that the micromanagement, I mean, this is a this is a topic that's been around for a long time, right? The micromanagement. And we just can't get out of this habit, it seems, right? That we still see so much micromanagement uh, that I have worked with so many teams, um, you too, right? And um, you probably have heard that too. It's like, I feel like I'm being micromanaged here. I'm not, I want to be unleashed. And uh, so on the one side, we do a lot of training in that topic and we, there's lots of books out there, but this is really important that you are highlighting this in the context of Agile, even more so important uh, for team teams and team members to feel uh, unleashed. So this seems to be a difficult topic, um, the, the micromanagement piece. Well, I, I actually think that there's a really good reason why. And that goes to the performance management, again, performance management in quotes, mm-hmm. where we ask people, including managers, to deliver work that only teams can deliver. So Mm -hmm. I've seen this in my clients. I'm sure you've seen it in your clients. So the middle manager has as a goal for his or her bonus to say, you must deliver this product in such and such a time. To the manager, right? Not to the team, which is kind of crazy as a team anyway, but, but but to the manager. And the manager gets dinged if the team does not deliver. Right. What kind of behavior does that trigger, right? Yeah. So that's all about resource efficiency thinking, where Mm -hmm. we optimize for the person, which always means 
pushing everything down. That's how we increase micromanagement as opposed to optimizing for the team, excuse me, which means we push all of the goals up that everybody sees the greater goal and can work towards the greater goal. And that's, I just don't see enough of that in the organization. Oh, I agree with you. This is a huge cultural change, right? The whole, you know, we're talking about performance, the system in general um, being impacted, like literally flipped upside down. Um, That's that's very interesting. You also have, as part of that engagement piece, uh, one word um, I just want to throw out is also learning. Um, also important for uh, for employees or everybody who is part of a, of a team effort. Learning is key. I have, and when I saw that comment, I was like, I just reflected a lot on the experiences I had with teams. Uh, all the successful teams and and let's say happy employees, right? Whatever whatever that uh, label is, but there was a component of learning there where people feel like I go to work, I accomplish something but also learn something for myself, right? Because that is a very personal kind of experience what we learn as a team, but also for me, I have a career um, evolution, right? I see myself going into the right direction. So there is a little bit of an ego in it here too, in terms of, of learning. What's, what's your take on that? Yeah, and what's really nice about that is it's not, it's not it, we each have our own learning, Right. If I if I was on a team with you, I might I might want to um, first learn how the architecture works, what the what the issues of the architecture are. And early in my career, I was very focused on the technical side of the products. And then later, as I got more mature and I realized, oh, this is all about people. I yeah. really better figure out how to deal with people. That's when I said I need to in- increase my interpersonal skills facility mm-hmm. so right. I can learn how to facilitate meetings. I can learn how to facilitate, quote, conflict, end of quote, which is really how do we mm-hmm. come to an agreement? How do we actually talk together? All that stuff. So mm-hmm. I. I, I learned early that I needed more interpersonal skills development than I needed technical skills development. And yeah. you might have you might have actually learned that the other way around. Um, mm. For our listeners, I've known Joe for a long time. He has always <laughs> yeah. impressed me as a guy who really has his interpersonal skills kind of knocked. I am still learning. Oh, come <laughs> so, on. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's that's a nice thing when you have colleagues of, of longstanding. So, mm-hmm. um, but we all need to learn something and we all need to practice it. And the more we make teams mm-hmm. at any level, right? The feature team or the product team, the management teams, the more we allow our teams to coalesce around a goal, the safer we can make it to learn and experiment. Right. And we each want to learn something else. Right. And uh, just one on second what you said, I had the same path, right? Also started very technical and uh, realized the second you put two people together, it gets complex. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, and any any project where you put people together and that's, is complex and that that is super uh, interesting, right? To, to figure that out and we're still doing that. Awesome. Now, just along those lines here, what's super uh, interesting in your book is also the team competition piece. 
Yeah. Right? And, and that goes yeah. in, into a similar direction here, but there are so many organizations out there. They use the V word, I'm going to say it, right? Velocity, right? Or oh, they're, yeah. They're comparing yeah. teams. There is team competition within organizations. And uh, I digested this topic a little bit, and I was like, that is so interesting. It's actually a very bad idea, right? Or not a useful idea, let's put it this way. Why did, oh, yeah. why did, you, why did you decide on putting this in? And, uh, and it's very contrary what lots of organizations do out there. So I, let me give you a little story. I spoke mm-hmm. last week with a potential client. This mm-hmm. woman is a program manager who's trying to put together a one-page description of of a dashboard for her program. That Mm -hmm. totally makes sense to me. So she asked me, what do I do about the defense? Well, I mean, she's supposedly using an agile approach. They have a lot of defects at the end of every sprint. This is not Scrum's fault. This is, right, this is not quite useful Scrum yet, right? They're on their journey fine Mm -hmm. um so um she said should i wait all of the should i do an average of the defects by team and then somehow weight them and i said no (laughs) count all the defects never average anything um count how long they have been around right Mm -hmm. the aging of a defect is Mm -hmm. actually a very important number um and this is you still don't want to average anything, um, but a, a time series, uh, anything like that, where you can see um, progress over time, right? Mm-hmm. But not do not average anything. And she said, well, how can my director understand what every team is doing, right? That's the competition part. And I mm-hmm. said, all the teams are doing something different. You cannot you cannot compare them in the same way, right? So if you have one team, um, and of course they were, they're working across the architecture, not through the architecture. So they have the UI team and the app layer team and the middleware team and the platform team. All right, this, they're fine, they're on their journey, right? This is where people start. So I said, the platform team is not doing comparable work to the UI team. You Mm -hmm. cannot compare them at all. Mm -hmm. So the manager wants to see velocity. I said, um, I I wrote this post about use cycle time, not velocity. And so I said, you can ask them to monitor their cycle times and look for delays. And anytime that anyone, and then choose a time inside a team. If you have a delay from one state to another of Mm -hmm. more than four hours, that's an issue. Right. right. And I said, I said, four. why four hours? Because it's half a day. <laughs> I, cho- I chose that number out of the sky. Right. Yeah. This is not scientific. In right. my experience, it's a useful place to start. So I said, if you want to show something like that, right, yeah. not as a weighted average, but teams have have um, delays of only two hours in these teams and six hours and 12 hours and 24 hours in those teams, mm-hmm. that would be useful information for sure. your manager, yeah. not what you're accustomed to looking at. Mm-hmm. And that's why we, um, but but the, so the manager comes to this from a reasonable perspective. How mm-hmm. can I get a one-page dashboard? 
That's right. right. I want to see something. I want to understand the meaning. And right. velocity is an easy thing to measure, and it's totally wrong for right. this. Right. I think there might also be a, like a managers in transition, right? When they are transitioning towards more and more agility, they want to hold on to something. They used to have possibly a percentage indicator of project completion. Yep. Um, and uh, and now the, the question is, what is my metric now, right? Because that doesn't exist anymore or shouldn't exist. And uh, then they're holding on to some, some things that exist and people talk about, but it might be used in a totally wrong way. Just to make it even worse, we could put a we could put a bonus on the team that has. Oh uh... God! Yeah, 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 yeah. So, well, I I said to her, think of the product backlog burnup chart by feature set, mm -hmm. and I said, and you're going to have a little trouble because your teams are still working across the architecture, but mm -hmm. this way, when the testers get to it, the testers test the feature, right? Mm -hmm. So this way, you will you will have some data once the testers get to it. And if you don't have testers getting to anything soon enough, that will put pressure on, on the entire program right. to get something to the testers. This is a virtual feedback cycle based on um, one measure that's mm -hmm. not sufficient, but necessary. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, uh, also a very important topic, right? And, uh, <laughs> It is, we want to touch on a few things here, right, in, in our podcast and just stimulate uh, our listeners a little bit out there to like, hey, this isn't, I want to take a deeper dive um, into, into that. So comparisons of teams, uh, not a good idea, um, no. putting any kind of reward system around it, even worse. Um, but it's not only that you are highlighting the things that uh, are not a good idea, you're also highlighting in your book the things you can do, uh, which is also important, right. Right? or more important. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to talk about is with you, and I think that's something I noticed in uh, pandemic times, we are in uh, recording this in April 2021, um, is the whole, uh, I'm just going to say Zoom, but it could be any any uh, video kind of teams and whatever tools you're using uh, for conference calls. I have noticed there's a lot of people that spend a lot of times on meetings, online meetings, literally 30 minute segments throughout the entire day possibly not even a lunch break right? um, and uh, going from like nine to five and have this, this lineup as like somewhat a sign of I'm busy, I'm active. Also, I'm demonstrating in my calendar that I am busy. Not a good idea, right? Why? Oh, no, no. So, um, so you and I write a lot. You do a mm. lot more podcasting. I, I'm a guest. I'm a guest. I'm not yeah. a, a generator of podcasts and we need time to think mm -hmm. right we if we don't take time to think we cannot possibly do the work that we need to do and right. if you're a software developer if you're a software tester if you're a manager everybody needs time to think and mm -hmm. if you're in a meeting sometimes you can think with other people but this business of nine to five back-to-back -back meetings nuts Mm -hmm. Right. You would be much better off if you had um, if you said we need to decide on this particular thing for now. Do mm -hmm. we have all the people that we need? And then we have much more of a workshop than mm -hmm. a meeting. Right. So I am I am a huge fan of, first of all, calling it what it is. If it's just you might need just a meeting. 
mm-hmm. but that's fine. But we also need we also need focus time to work by ourselves. We need time to research, possibly with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, we need time to meet people with serendipity. Um, we were talking about that before the podcast started. That's mm-hmm. one of the things I have really missed over this over this time where we are all in our own homes. Mm-hmm. I don't get a chance to go to conferences and meet people and talk to them and say, oh, that's a really interesting idea. And in organizations, we have that with the cafeteria, with the coffee room. So any, anywhere where people can meet and have a little conversation, that's a, that's a necessary and different kind of space, but back to back meetings, whether we're all in, one physical location or mm-hmm. in several physical locations not a good idea. that's just crazy yeah yeah um i've, I've noticed that right as a, it's almost like a uh in the beginning like how do i demonstrate to and because this is about managers here right how do i demonstrate to my manager that i'm busy all day right and i can show that in my calendar invite i'm i'm very vocal i'm visible because i'm in zoom meetings right but not a good idea uh, in terms of focus, I myself have a bunch of magazines and books I need to go through and I, and they are helpful and they're good because they're helping in whatever you're doing in your organization. So uh, uh, what can managers do to uh, possibly help create a culture so, like this? Yeah, so that's where, that's the myth of I can measure, um, I can assess somebody's um, value by measuring their time. And right. so... I really like to think about um, where do people spend their time now? So we might we might measure individual cycle time. So if I'm a manager, I might say to people, um, I would like to know where do you have delays and bottlenecks in your work, right? Mm-hmm. Not to see what a person's cycle time is to say, oh, Johanna delivered that thing in three hours. No, 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 right? <laughs> yeah. this is, no, no, no. This is about understanding the delays and bottlenecks. Mm-hmm. So I want to understand my delays and bottlenecks as an individual. That's, that's data for me. That's mm-hmm. like, um, I'm just going to say this. That's like my weight, right? Yeah. I, I'm only going to discuss that with my doctor. I, my husband doesn't see it. <laughs> Nobody sees it. This is information for me right. to be able to change my behavior. But our team cycle time and looking at where we have bottlenecks and delays, that's a really useful thing. Because right. I often find that people say, um, we we need this right away, but we only have four of the uh, four of the five people that we need to deliver this thing, mm-hmm. and so we have a delay. We got four people. We're ready to go, and we mm-hmm. don't have that uh, that other fifth person that we really really need. Mm-hmm. And then and then if a lot of time, too many too often managers say, "Well, we need overtime to finish this thing." Wow. Oh, no, 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 right. If anything, the more pressure we are under as people, the right. more we need to limit the work, right. the time that we spend at work so mm-hmm. that we, we take care of ourselves, so that we sleep, so that we go for a run and go for a walk or go to the gym, right? That we take care of ourselves so we bring all of our brain power, right. all of ourselves to work the next day. Right. And that's, that's that business about measuring time and 100% utilization 
all of those are interconnected. Mm -hmm. So understanding what do we need to do, right? Yeah. What is the what is the outcome we need? How many people do we need? Do we have bottlenecks and delays? <clears throat> and then what kinds of experiments do we need to run to understand what is the optimum right. time commitment for yeah. people? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, and this is goes also into like the private workspace, right? Teams, uh, I, I always recommend folks to watch their own biorhythm, right? So every, everybody has different kind of peaks throughout the day. Whereas my, I, for me, for example, I like to get a lot of uh, concentration work done in the morning, right? Uh, versus the afternoon, but there might be some people out there who are exactly reversed. Who knows why? Uh, and you have to plan for that too, right? What is your right time for your your personal time? When do you do want to go for your walk or for your jog, um, and and so on? So uh, really carving this out, I think that is an important piece. Now, listeners might think uh, what I'm about to ask is uh, is crazy now because we just talked about uh, space and less meetings and everything. Uh, in your books, you are makes multiple references. I think it actually goes across all three books to um encouragement of one-on-ones oh yeah yeah so more more meetings right but uh, there is there's good versus not so good meetings right and that seems to be a very important one why why do you highlight that so much and the importance of that for managers as well as the ones that are in in the one-on-ones so with a one-on-one -on -one allows us each of us to build a trusting relationship with another human being so I'm not, I'm fond of 20 to 30 minute one-on-ones, right? Mm -hmm. Not very, not very long one-on-ones. And I find that the manager to, to person that you lean and serve one-on-one -on -one does need to be focused on more career stuff. Is there an issue in the team, right? That you have an opportunity as wherever you are in the organization to ask your manager for coaching or or support or or understanding of of the greater picture mm -hmm. but peer one-on-ones oh my goodness if you want to develop a, a peer cohort of if you're a scrum master other scrum masters across the organization product mm -hmm. owner other product owners across the organization first line managers middle managers senior managers i always we talk about the senior leadership team and in, in agile organizations, we talk about product or feature teams. Mm -hmm. What about all those other people in the middle? They don't right. get teams. And the way, so we need to work together as a team and yeah. we need to build those trusting relationships. Because if I, if I say something, so our listeners are not going to be so surprised. I'm, I have a reputation for being blunt and direct. Yeah. And I'm, <laughs> I still work on this. I still work on how do I phrase things so I don't offend people. Mm. I want to bring their attention to something, but I want them to hear me. So you might, you might say, um, so Joe, you might actually say after a meeting where I have gone off and allowed my mouth to spew out things, you might say, Johanna, do you have a minute? And you, yeah. <laughs> you might say, um, and I will say, oh, God, yes, I've done something now. And you might say, when you say this, I, I looked at Dave's face mm -hmm. and Dave, Dave had this face. And the, the way I interpret Dave's face is blah, 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 blah. Right. And I might say, oh, God, OK, I'll go apologize to Dave now. Thank right. you very much. And you might you might say, 
would you like me to let you know when Dave has that face again? Right. I, I can I can nudge you. I can pass you a note if we're in a remote meeting. I can private message you. And I might say, oh, God, yes. I would really appreciate that. Now, yes. we, with this feedback and coaching that we're offering each other, we are building trust. Right. I trust you to have my back. I trust you to look out for the team and I will reciprocate when I can keep my mouth shut. <laughs> so, so, but, yeah, but this is, this is why one-on-ones are so important between everybody. So yeah. they don't have to be long. Hmm. They don't have to even be 20 minutes. The one-on-one -on -one I just described with you and me, that potential one-on-one, -on -one, that might be five minutes. Right. It's a check-in right. too, right? Sometimes it might be something yep. big or might be something short. You want to put some, set some time aside for it, but you might not need it. Right. right. But right. if we don't have, if we don't have one-on-ones with all of our, with our direct leader, whoever that yeah. direct leader is, and if we don't have one-on-ones with our peers, um, we are really missing out on, and on a real opportunity to build teams because yeah. Every team is as a combination of all the people and the relationships between mm -hmm. all the people. But it's also interesting, right? Because if you, let's say you work with a team and it's just like a random configuration here of, of people and uh, you're scheduling one-on-ones, I, I have seen on, uh, you call them senior leaders calendars, you have like a bunch of one-on-ones, let's say scheduled on a on a Wednesday, they might say, I do one-on-ones, Joanna. It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I do one-on-ones, right? Um, but then they do like five, six one-on-ones six, uh, one just to, uh, uh, back to back. Um, and there's also context switching between people, right? How do I get into the mindset of that person? It's really not a good idea, right? To have these meetings like back to back. It's like, there needs to be a, a time in between. You need to focus uh empathy get into the person's mindset is this a junior person in the organization is this a senior person uh in the organization in terms of um, how long the person has been with the organization uh onboarding career development and, and whatever so this is not something you can do back to back so i think some principles we're applying within the team also apply to management right and leaders that are not necessarily in an agile team context switching etc right Really oh yeah and getting into the person right well and i think so paul graham wrote this wonderful uh, essay many years ago called maker schedule manager schedule or well mm -hmm. either maker or manager first and schedule mm -hmm. and he talked about managers only context switch right and managers do by by definition that's a manager's job they right. actually context switch all day long and if they're meeting with other managers, maybe back-to-back one-on-ones could be okay. I I tried to do that once as a manager, and it I I stopped it after two months. I realized, yeah, I'm a slow learner. It took me eight eight Tuesdays right. to realize that was not a good idea. However, um, I I so I tried it, and I realized I did not have enough of a mental break between all of the people and their issues, just as you described. Yes. So mm -hmm. while I, uh, while I like to, um, I really like to have, if I'm going to have meetings, I do want to focus them on in one part of my day. Um, mm -hmm. For instance, Dan Pink's win, I found a really interesting 
I found that to be a really interesting book. I, along with you, I do a lot of creative work in the morning. I also do a lot of creative work late in the day, which if you'd asked me, if I would have said, oh, I'm useless at the late in the day. No, I yeah. still, I still do stuff late in the day, but I want to make sure that the people I, I talk to, or I, I should say talk with, mm-hmm. are also ready to have that conversation with right. me. So mm-hmm. we need we need to both understand our wins and right. we need to both understand do I have enough emotional capacity to have another one-on-one now? Yeah. I think I think that's key, right? So it's not a it's not a checklist or anything like that. It's really like it's just a high value kind of event for for both for both parties here that are involved yep. understand it goes both ways. Now I want to um, maybe that's tying the things together with uh, with micromanagement. I've been in uh, one-on-ones. I'm gonna go way back now into one-on-ones I had as a, as an employee, and sometimes you just feel uncomfortable in a one-on-one oh. with your with your manager. What can a manager do to make this situation not like a micromanage? What did you do? Status update? What kind of skills come to shine here or need to come to shine for for a manager to make this thing? Um, and maybe this is for the one-on-ones, but also for other other meetings with team members, a little bit more pleasant uh, and less and less controlling. So this is where I like to say to the manager, um, just release it. Ask ask the the person what they would like to discuss. Mm-hmm. Leave the one-on-one totally open. Now, don't spring this on them. When they come to your office for a one-on-one, or they meet you by Zoom for a one-on-one, don't say at 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 the at the moment that we're meeting. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Now, what what do you have for me? No, yeah. <laughs> you need to you need to tell people that you want them to set the agenda, right. and you might offer them ideas about what the agenda could be. Right. But then you let them set the agenda, and and if if you I have worked with some managers who said, I tried that and it didn't work. I said, okay, what, what happened? Um, mm. Well, I said to the person at the previous one-on-one, I want you to set the agenda for our next one-on-one. Okay, fine. That sounds good. Um, what Did you remind the person a couple of days in advance? No, I didn't do that. Oh, yeah. well, maybe, maybe reminding them would work. Um, so they tried that and then, no, it, it still didn't work, Johanna, right? Two yeah. weeks later. They don't remember that they need a, an agenda for a one-on-one. So yeah. I said, how busy are the people that you are supposed to have one-on-ones with? Oh, they're busy from morning until night. I said, hmm. are they working together or are they working alone on, quote, their stuff? Mm-hmm. Oh, they're working alone on their stuff. I said, so when does... When do the features come together? Right. When when do the uh, when do all those deliverables become outcomes? Oh well, that's why we're trying to use agile. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we have this really long delay. So I said, so let's talk about the system of the team in your organization. So mm-hmm. if everybody's totally busy from morning until night on their own stuff, then right. how can they possibly have time to think? We need to help them make time to think. You create the environment where everybody can be successful. 
How can, what kind of an environment can you create so that people have time to think? Right. So for me, all this stuff kind of goes back to everything, right? We start, we actually started this conversation with, well, we might, I don't know if we started it with time to think, but we, we certainly talked about that. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, if, if people don't have time to think, they're not going to have good one-on-ones where they set the agenda. Right. Or if you have, if you have unseasoned staff, right? If you have the person who's been out of school for six months or even a year might not know what you mean by an agendaless one-on-one or bring me your agenda. You might say, here's, here's my outline for a one-on-one. Here's another possibility where I don't ask you about your work, but I ask you about the system and the delays. And mm -hmm. if you want to offer feedback and coaching and where I might support you in that, I mean, you, yeah. you can kind of step it down to an agendaless one-on-one. Right. And, and I think so pre preparation uh, for the meetings from both sides, right? Oh, yeah. um, as, as well as uh, asking lots of questions, right? As a manager, if we're taking this podcast here as a, as a thing from the, through the lens of a, of a manager um, and uh, working, you know, through a one-on-one. Through a so it's less meetings, right? Some gaps, some personal time, but also possibly more one-on-ones, more -on right? Which is yeah. not necessarily something contradictory here, but um, also what's interesting and striking uh, probably for everybody here, sorry about my background noise, but um, um, what's, what's also interesting for lots of, Agile team members is you're talking about feedback and feedback for managers. Yep. So closing the feedback loop. Um, based on my experience, again, um, I'm you know don't want to give examples here or anything here, but uh, that is not something that's very common that uh, managers receive feedback from from team members, let's say, or as a department head to receive and actively ask for feedback about how how they are doing and what they can do to improve in the role as a manager. Super interesting. Yeah. yeah, so this is why we talk a lot about psychological safety in in agile teams. And I don't know how to create psychological safety without being vulnerable myself, yeah. without being um, willing to take the feedback. I mean, I, I tease, I, I kind of, use my self-deprecating humor about my bluntness and directness. But the good news is I have received great feedback about I, that. And yeah. I have I have really tried to to make to integrate that feedback into how I work now. And I I remain a work in progress, which is totally fine. But the more people can see that I am working on it, I am trying to progress. I don't have to achieve perfection because mm -hmm. the more I take the feedback and the more I try and make forward progress, the more people trust me. That mm -hmm. allows me to create psychological safety with other people. So mm -hmm. for, for psychological safety, we need to be able to give each other feedback so that we can experiment and mm -hmm. learn from it because mm -hmm. otherwise we're not gonna be able to learn from the experiments. All we are going to do is, is create uh, experiments with uh, a projected outcome because it's not safe to admit we don't know. It's not safe to admit we need help. It's not safe to admit, oh, I really screwed that up. Right. So the more we do that, 
the more we create psychological safety. So is it uncomfortable if I'm a middle manager and, um, oh, this happened to me, I can, I can say this. Um, I was a director of, uh, of many things at a, at a given company many years ago and a brand new software developer came to my office and mm -hmm. said, JR, I have feedback for you. And my, my immediate reaction was, oh God, I'm really busy. I, I wanna take this feedback, but right. do I need it now? I mean, really, really, do I need yeah. it now? And I thought, okay, Johanna, he actually came to your office in the middle of the day. He's a year out of school. How much, how much guts did it take for him to come to your office? Right. I thought, oh, yes, I need to take this feedback now. Yes. Just put yourself away, Johanna. Listen to the feedback. So he gave me some feedback about how I structured my emails, <laughs> which was not that the specifics of the feedback were not that helpful for me until I went meta. Right. And I said, so tell me more about what you would want to see in my emails. Right. So I, I took in the feedback. I didn't say right. I was going to change it. But when he, when I went meta, that's when I understood right. how he processed information. Mm -hmm. Totally made the difference in my relationship with him. And right. I was able to offer feedback to his manager and said, you know, so-and-so came to see me. Um, he, he informed me that my emails were not very helpful. Well, the words he used were actually useless. Right. Right? So he told me my emails were useless. Fine. Um, but then, then I said, but if we, if we all adopt this business of the three things we want people to do at the beginning, the arguments for why, and then the three things at the end, then we will actually all have better emails. Right. And some of the managers I led said, oh, fine, we can do that. So right. we actually got really good feedback from this one guy who was having trouble processing what, right. we, what we tried to say. So, yeah. Um, That's a great example, right? And uh, it also shows that, I mean, this obviously takes a lot of guts to, to bring this up and, and say it in a way, you know, but um, if he is direct, you're direct, you're safe, right? You can say these things. Um, yeah. You explore how to improve. And if there is a way to improve, that is uh, fantastic, right? But um, those books you wrote um, obviously have a huge connect to feedback loops, right? And uh, obviously demonstrate of, of how to implement that. Now we could talk for hours, right? This is uh, uh, this is definitely, this is endless. And uh, that's why these books exist to explore this even further. But before we go, um, I personally, be, I, I teach a lot of courses also for, for leaders uh, um, and in, in particular on, on, on agility. And one of them is also about uh, um, org design, for example, right? And what we're noticing is that there's a lot of agile organizations that are more team-based, self-managed teams. Earlier in the podcast, uh, you had mentioned like uh, middle management and middle managers. Um, what's, what's the future? Uh, how do you see the future of what we are describing currently as middle management going forward and what kind of shifts have to take place and what do you think needs to take place in uh, when we're, where we're seeing more self-organized, self-managed teams on the one side, networks of uh, within an organization, more fluid organizations. Um, and then on the other side, we see more like more like org charts with, with middle management. What has to happen 
in organization, what kind of shift, what kind of different thinking needs to take place? So I actually have pictures of this in book three um, and, and practical ways to lead an innovative organization. So the first thing, regardless of, of how strong the hierarchy is or not in your organization, mm -hmm. you can create teams of managers at all levels. And I strongly recommend that you do that. You might call them communities of practice, but mm -hmm. the more you create teams where you solve problems across the organization as a team, that will allow you greater agility, right? Mm -hmm. And I assume that people want greater agility for mm -hmm. better outcomes, for better change, for all kinds of things. Um, and the more, the more you have teams of leaders, the more facile the leaders become at supporting cross-functional teams, regardless of the leader's background. So right now, I'm sure that you and I both see the same thing. Mm -hmm. Dev managers have only a dev background. Test managers have only a test background. UI managers have only a UI background and so on and so forth. Right. The best organizations I have seen have more um, generalized management skills across the entire stack, across the entire range of capabilities so that one manager can facilitate and lead a cross-functional team composed mm -hmm. of devs, UI, tests, and anybody else, right? right. Let's not forget the, the database people and the data warehousing people, right? All those people. The more managers can lead and serve cross-functional teams, the less they are tied into their original function. The more they are able to do that, the more we can trust the teams to do their work. Mm -hmm. And that encourages much greater agility. Yeah. So, um, and the more, the more we do that, the more we have small world networks grow mm -hmm. inside the organization. Right. So, Managers are not the only the only people who can coach others. Right. We trust that the technical leaders in the organization can also coach others, right. and that we can become leaders at various times in our careers for various pieces. Right. So I see a much more fluid organization all all over. I think that's a great point, right? To be uh, associated with the team rather than with your with your silo, because then any issue, any problem, any showstopper within a team is directly tied to an outcome. So you can unlock, un you can you know, create a path for the team to succeed um, uh, holistically, right? And building, yeah. building yeah. out uh, features. That is awesome. There's so many things uh, I would like to talk about. Maybe we need a part two of this, um, but uh, I think we have reached the attention span possibly from our listeners uh, out there by 30, 40 minutes here for this particular podcast. But I think we covered some ground. Um, oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, we did. And any, um, you know me, anytime you want me, I'm, ha I'm happy to be on your podcast. Fantastic. I think you need, you need more other guests because I'm an avid listener. I, I think yeah. I've told you this before. I, I have you in my feed. I listen to you all the time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Joanna. 
always good talking to you uh podcast or not always fantastic thank you so much and as i said we're gonna reconnect we'll talk about it and uh just if you're curious there's also links on the show page on agile fm to the books but they are the practical ways to lead an innovative organization practical ways to lead and serve others and practical ways to manage yourself those three books joanna rothman thank you so much thank you joe i really enjoyed it Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.